All right, our sermon series is Identity Surrendered. So many issues of identity in the book of Ephesians. Hopefully that uh, umbrella uh, will cover a lot of, of what we do. It's a theme that we will uh, see today and we'll continue uh, to encounter as we go throughout uh, the, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Today, uh, my title is, What Did You Get?, and maybe if you think about that title, what did you get? You'd think about uh, maybe somebody who went out shopping and they come home and they say, well, what did you get? Now, this day and age, um, our financial information is updated so quickly that somebody at home can look up online how much was spent. <laughs> and you can say, well, what did you get for that much money that was spent? Uh, and you know that. So uh, what did you get? Maybe you're thinking back to uh, Christmas. Maybe as a young kid and you're talking with your friends and you say, hey, well, uh, after Christmas came and went, well, what did you get? Did you get anything special for Christmas? And you kind of talk about that. Well, today in our passage in Ephesians, I'm going to use a couple of different illustrations. Uh, we'll answer this question because we as believers in Jesus Christ are recipients of things from God. And this passage uh, shows two main things uh, that we as believers receive. So we want to focus on God who is the giver. We want to focus on what it is that we receive. And the very first one of those things, as we uh, look here at verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. All right, we have received, we get an inheritance to God's glory. What is an inheritance? An inheritance, as we normally think about it, is something that someone receives when a loved one dies and through their will uh, or, or perhaps by default or a court arrangement or whatever it happens to be, uh, there's a transfer of uh, some material possession to another person upon death. Well, that's not exactly the spirit in which we understand Ephesians 1, although it's kind of the spirit. Let me get you thinking about inheritance. Here's a really silly way. Um, we don't often play Monopoly at our house. Our personalities just don't mesh very well when it comes to Monopoly, but sometimes we'll brave it and sometimes we'll make it happen. But if you're a Monopoly fan and you love to play Monopoly, you'll recognize this card. Has this ever been a lifesaver for anybody? Right? You get the community chest. I got a couple of hands up here. If this is a lifesaver in Monopoly and you get $100, you're really in trouble. You ought to consider folding out of the game. Okay? If a hundred bucks is a life set, now listen, I have felt the same way at times. I'm going and I'm really poor because I just landed on somebody's hotel and it really stung. And then I get this, I'm like, okay, at least I got another hundred bucks. Personal opinion, I think this guy on the card, he's like way too excited for a hundred dollars in Monopoly money. I think the picture is kind of overdoing the reality in this. We don't want to have that happen as we come to scripture, but this guy is receiving an inheritance. He gets 100 bucks. This is kind of how we normally think about inheritance. All right, so what is Paul doing? All right, really uh, what he's doing is he's praising God. And I put this scripture up here, uh, Galatians 3, as a comparison uh, to where he wrote this in the letters of Galatians. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to to promise. Heirs. Heirs. Inheritance. You're an heir according to promise. Great comparison from Ephesians to Galatians. Um, 
we're going to see uh, different things that Paul does, but these are, are two pretty exact uh, ways in which we, are, uh, we see that we inherit God's promises. It's not a hundred thing to keep us going uh, as we move around the board of life. Uh, we are heirs of God's promises that we sang about and have read about a couple times already today. All right, these uh, promises are passed down to us. Uh, we are still living, and we're going to look about how those promises come about today, so stay tuned for that. All right, now, why did I put that it's inheritance to God's glory? Well, if you back up to verse 6, we find out it's to the praise of his glorious grace. And then verse 12 today, so that we were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. All right, I want to let this sink in, that God desires to be glorified in our lives. It's a wonderful thing. We're going to reemphasize this and layer this in as we go along this morning. Uh, so be on the lookout for that type of language. When God is working in our lives, it benefits us and we should be encouraged. But it is to his glory when the spirit is working and our lives are changing. So here's the other thing that I want you to know about, uh, about this first point here, inheritance, is it's a certain thing. It means that we're in. It means we're a part of the family. All right? uh, we could feel lonely. We could feel worthless. We could have a very low view of ourselves. But God's word is directly confronting those things when we see that we are inheriting. We are heirs of God's promises. Okay, we can be in a position of certainty. We can be a part of God's family. He's drawing us in. He's a father who gives generously. He's a father who gives lavishly. And that's what we want to see as we get this concept of inheritance. We're not done with the financial illustrations. We're going to see another one uh, here. But I, I want you to see as well that this inheritance is according to God's purposes. Rest of verse 11 uh, in him we've in obtained an inheritance. rest of it is having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, you may not feel like everything in your life has this deep, wonderful purpose. You might think, I mowed the lawn because the grass was tall. Okay? <laughs> you might think, uh, I went and uh, I was at the second-hand store and I bought the handbag because I like the handbag, right? Just, I went out and that's what I did. I went, I was hungry, and so I went to Taco Bell, all right? Or whatever it is that you did. You may not think of these things, uh, hey, these are very functional things in our lives. Uh, you may not think there's this great uh, purpose in all of it. Uh, what I want us to understand is that God, in identifying us as recipients of his inheritance, he has a purpose behind it. And it is amazing. It is deep. Here's a quick review. Bring you up to speed if you happened to miss uh, a couple of weeks ago. In verse 4, we see that God shows us in him before the foundation of the world. In verse 5, we see that he predestined us. We see that he adopted us uh, into himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Went ahead and emboldened according to the purpose. That same phrase is back there in verse 5. And then in verse 7, we're redeemed and we're forgiven. These are all God's purposes for us. So we have an inheritance we see it's according to the purpose of him who works things according to the counsel of his will. 
we see it's his purpose. Now, think about our current state. Think about where we are. I want you to know that these purposes aren't just theoretical, they're for us. When we find out that we're a part of God's family, when we find out that we're redeemed, we find out we're forgiven, we find out that we're chosen to be a part of this, it's not just some theory that's out there. It's very, very real for us because it helps us to understand when difficult things come our way, pain, plodding seasons of life, uh, pandemic, we can find out that God is not asleep. We can go back and we can see that he has intentionality in the things that happen in our world and in our lives because they happen according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a situation and wondered, is this God's will? <laughs> okay? Most of the hands in the room are going up. Sometimes we don't really know uh, what God has planned. We don't know what he's doing. Now, we can read his word and we can know what his will is, but when it comes to some of the specifics and details and how things are going to roll out in our lives, uh, we want to pray that we can see our lives and see our world according to the way God would have us to see it. We want to know his will. I want to really challenge you today. If you're struggling with this, if you're trying to figure out what God's will is or God's plan is uh, for your life, these are verses that really speak to that because God desires to have a relationship with us that is secure. So please, if you have questions about this, be glad to stick around and discuss afterwards. If you're online, please send a message into our Facebook account or use our contact information on our website. Please get a hold of us. More than happy to help you understand what God desires to have a secure relationship with us. Know that each one of you are important to God to choose and to adopt and to redeem and to forgive. We've obtained an inheritance and been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And then verse 12, so that we who are first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. God's glory is a safe place. We want people to be there. So what'd you get? You got an inheritance, and it was according to God's purposes. All right, that's the first thing uh, that we see here. Now, the second thing that we see, I'm going to kind of go to the end of verse 13 uh, and focus. So in the, in the beginning of 13, it says, in him you also, and then there's a clause which we're going to come back to, uh, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. There is a very present way in which we understand receiving the promises of God and living them out. There is also a future way in which we understand it. Upon our death, if the Lord has not returned first, we will be with Jesus forever. What is the, the certainty of that? It's the Holy Spirit. So let's look into that teaching. Let's try to figure out what's going on. We have a guaranteed seal that God puts on our lives, approving of us as we wait for the full possession of that inheritance. Now, whenever you hear the word guaranteed, what do you think about? Think about somebody trying to cut you a deal, 
right? <laughs> or somebody who's going to sell you something. I've got this warranty on this thing. I'm going to back it up and it's guaranteed. I don't know if you've ever read these things or these promotions that certain people do, but I went and I found this example back from 2015 where a furniture store that's like uh, northwest Ohio, uh, northeast Indiana, and then a couple locations in the Chicago area, they did a promotion in January that if you buy furniture on certain days, that, and then on Super Bowl Sunday in February, if it snowed like over three inches, then all the people who bought the furniture on these days would get it for free. Have you ever seen this type of promotion before? I'm always fascinated by this. I don't know if it really works to get uh, more people to come in and buy furniture, but I'm the type of guy that would go, I would love to stick it to somebody who's making that promotion. All right, so uh, here's what happened. I'm not telling the story because it didn't happen. I'm telling the story because Super Bowl Sunday came, and they got nailed. All the people in Illinois, all the people in Indiana, all the people in northwest Ohio got nailed well over three inches. Uh, they verified it. Uh, now, I want to take a survey. Who thinks the company made good on their promise and gave the people who qualified their furniture for free? Oh, man. The rest of you really believe they didn't do it? If you, if you don't think they made good, raise your hand. I want to see it. Put your name on it. Say, okay, I am telling the story because they lived out their guarantee. They did it. $2.5 million in furniture was free, and they guaranteed it. That's what they did. They, they said, this is what's going to happen. They guaranteed it, and they lived it out. Now, there's another little wiggle, and if you ever kind of wonder how these things happen, I, I found out how they pay it out. They don't pay it out of their pocket. They paid an insurance policy to have it happen. So their only cost is the cost of the insurance policy, which I was not going to spend the time in my research to figure out how much the insurance policy was. So if you find that type of information, I'd love to know because I'm curious about those sorts of things. All right, so when we think of guarantee, a lot of times we think of financial arrangements. <clears throat> All right, let's go another way. Who here has been ripped off? Okay, a lot of us. Makes me feel better. I've been ripped off plenty in my life. I could really spend quite a while telling you stories about how, how we've been, been ripped off uh, by just different things, some of it way beyond our control. Hey, it just happened. So one time, uh, way back when uh, eBay and the internet was new, uh, I was like, I'm going to buy this thing. I'm all excited. It's coming. I placed my order. And then they, uh, part of the deal was that I had, to, I had to send them some money a certain way. And I didn't realize uh, at the time that this was a common scam. And I was like, okay, I sent the money, and it's all good. It should be here in a couple of days. A couple of days went by, it never happened. And I realized, oh, this didn't happen. I, I, think I, got, I think I got scammed. Oh, man. I had to try to tell my wife, I think I got scammed, honey. I'm sorry. I don't think I should have done this. And so what happened uh, was, uh, after a while, I, I cried about this for uh, a number of weeks. And, and then I finally decided, I'm going to go to the bank. And I'm going to say, hey, is there anything you can do? I got ripped off uh, by these people. And I paid for the money out of the bank. And uh, they said, well, uh, you're in luck. Because what we do is we guarantee purchases that you make online. And so if you get ripped off, if you pay for something and you didn't receive it, and you get ripped off, we'll cover that expense. I was like, you do that? <laughs> I felt a whole lot better about myself. Uh, after they did that, but it was another way of understanding guarantee. All right, 
Now, I'm not just trying to fill time today. I've used a couple of financial illustrations, and it sounds like a lot of us can relate to those, but I've used it for a reason. This word in here in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14, when you look at that word guarantee, the Greek word is erabon, and it is a word that has financial implications, okay? has to do with finances. If I were going to sell you, no, if you were selling an item and I told you, hey, I'm going to buy that, maybe you don't really believe me, maybe you're not sure whether I'm going to buy it, what would help if I told you I'm going to buy the item that you have? What would help me back up the fact that I'm going to actually purchase your item? You know, you give me a little down payment, give me some cash, right? Give me part of it so that I know that your word is good. That financial concept is at the root of this word, the guarantee of our inheritance. Okay? So we may wonder, is God really going to welcome me into his family forever? Am I really going to be forgiven of my sin? Am I really going to be redeemed from my past or my hopelessness or all of the garbage that's back there? in my background? Is it really going to happen? One day, am I really going to have eternal life with Jesus in heaven? We may ask those questions much like you might ask, are you really going to buy the item? This word, and in the language, it is a guaranteed seal that God puts on our lives by putting the Holy Spirit in us. We are sealed, and those promises are true because of what God does. These sort of illustrations about getting ripped off or about the furniture company having to uh, come due for two and a half million on their promotion, there's some speculation. It's a lot of fun. There's some unknown, but there can also, when it comes to this stuff and it comes to life, there can be a lot of stress. There can be a lot of unknown. There can be times when we are unsure, and we're not, we're not certain what is happening, what is going on. We don't know. Paul, in trying to tell the Ephesians how glorious God is as he's starting this letter off, he's trying to make them sure. He's trying to eliminate speculation. The Holy Spirit will work in you and will change you. That's God's down payment. That's the deposit that seals the guarantee that God gives us of his promises. We get the inheritance now as our lives begin to change. We begin to live for him and obey him. We get the inheritance forever. It's all true. And Paul writes it in a way so it's certain and secure. And so we know that. All right, what'd you get? Number one, you got an inheritance. Number two, a guaranteed seal of God's approval on our lives. Those are the two things that you get. What'd you get? That's what you get. How? You already see up there that the seal comes through faith. This is where we're going to back up to the first uh, part here. In him you also, this is verse 13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, let's focus in there. You heard the word of truth. I want you to think about, when you open your mouth and you communicate the gospel to somebody else, or you think back to that time when somebody communicated the good news of who Jesus is to you. What happens? Is something really powerful happening when that comes about? Yes. 
Yes, there are powerful things that are happening. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the real truth about Jesus, that we are in sin before him, that we cannot earn these things. We cannot earn a part in his family. We cannot earn a place in heaven eternally. But when we hear the word of truth, when we hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he died in our place, that he was buried in a tomb, that he rose from the dead, that we can experience life-changing power in Christ, when those things happen, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and what? And you believed in him. It's so key to identity. There are two main ways that people who want to believe in God will approach God. And one of those things says, one of those ways says, God, here is what I have. Right? They'll come to the Lord and they'll say, this is what I've done. This is who I've blessed. This is how I've spent my time. This is how I've given my money. Lord, look at all of my works. Look at everything I've done. And please welcome me into your family. Please forgive me. Please welcome me into heaven. Is that the way we have a relationship with God according to Ephesians 1? No. A lot of people really believe that some sort of work and effort on their part is required to get them to heaven. So one way is God, look at what I have. The other way is God, look at what I'm willing to do. It takes the promises of God on their face value that Jesus has died in our place, that he was buried in a tomb, and that he rose from the dead. And he shows his power over death. He shows his power over sin. We are a part of his family. We're welcomed in now and forever. Those promises are true. Now, the, the, the gift, we're going to find out when we get to chapter 2, it's called a gift. The gift is free. But when we say, Lord... We're going to, I'm going to walk in faith. I want to trust those promises. And according to verse 14 or verse 13, I believe. We believe those promises. It is a belief that says, Lord, I'm willing to do anything. I will follow and walk in faith because I believe what you've done. It's not saying, look at what I have. It says, look at what I'm willing to do. Belief says, I'm willing and I trust. I don't have a clue what you might be doing. I don't know always what your will is going to be for my life. I don't know every step. I don't have, I don't need to. I will trust. You may call me into very difficult circumstances. You may call me to give my life in serving Jesus. I'm willing to do that. That's what belief is. We will see that as Paul communicates. We get what we get. Our inheritance, we get the seal of the Holy Spirit through belief. And so that's why it's so key to our identity. Our identity isn't built on what we have and what we can offer God. It's built on what he has done for us and how we can boldly and courageously encourage each other to walk in faith and live that out. Again, if this is not clear, I will ask you, please, uh, your heart is stirring, you have questions, uh, that is a sign that God is moving in your life. Uh, ask those questions today as we go a part of this. Uh, I hope that I have made this clear to you. I want you to respond in that way, whether you have uh, never come to Jesus uh, in your life, 
and even today would be the day that, that you would commit your life to him, or whether you did that a long time ago, uh, we can never continue to build our life and build our confidence in the Lord by saying, look at everything that I've done. We always want to say, look at what God has done in me. Look at, uh, I'm willing to walk in faith and trust uh, in the good times and in the bad. I'm willing to trust him with everything. All right, so that's where we're going to get uh, built up. That's where we're going to get encouraged. Uh, we're going to pray in a couple of minutes. I want to invite you uh, into that prayer.